0: Would do anything with you. You would make everything sound fun. (laughs) Ah, thank you. Also a little crazy. A little crazy. The right amount of crazy. There's
1: there's guests here today that don't know what to do because of you, but that's all
0: right. (laughs) They think I can be here. If she's here, anybody can come, right? (laughs) I can fit. We love Annie. Like totally. Hello. Good morning. So as Annie Jamie and I are going to speak together today um, uh, in the Bells series, so I'm gonna I get to start today. So if you've been with us or you haven't been, I'm gonna do a little recap on Bells. So um, Bells is nothing new. It's nothing you won't find if you don't open up your Bible. It's taken from the Book of Acts. Acts is the first um, the first church after Jesus was here. It's just our way of saying. It in a new way for us today. So B is blessed. Bless. Bless. I'm a little poppy. B is blessed. I was thinking about it today. Um, people who have been blessed by God, we in turn bless the world around us. And I was thinking in a different way. I was thinking I have been blessed by God with hope. I've been blessed by God with his kindness, with his mercy, and his grace. And so this week I've been trying, as I've been interacting with m- people that are coming my way, to think, how can I how can I offer that to you? How can I offer a little bit of grace? How can I offer some kindness? Um, so that's how I've been thinking about it, These i been going through my head. And then E, Annie did a fabulous sermon on eating, eating together. Jesus was constantly eating with people. He created communion. It's like eat, eat frequently, and when you do remember, so as a community, we, we try to eat with each other intentionally and with other people um, and just to live the light. Another thing that we are doing as a community that's important to us here is listen. We've talked about it a lot. We've talked about listening to other people because you care, listening to yourself to see what God's trying to tell you, to teach you. and But last week, um, I appreciated, Jamie, you remind us, the, the most important thing is we're listening to Jesus. That's, that's the most important. That's of it. Like we will talk about all those other areas and they're important. But mostly it's about like listening. We're people that want to listen to Jesus. And then the next one would be learn. Uh, but we're not talking about that today. So Audrey kindly switched weeks with me because next week I'm gonna be hanging out with the 20-year-olds, so I'm not gonna have time to come and, and preach. So I was thinking about learning. When you when you say yes to Jesus, and you're like I it's a it's amazing. I love you. I love you the way you are. You don't have to change, but I want you to grow because I want you to look like me. And so that's what Audrey will be talking about next week. Is people here? We're committed to learn. We're committed to say Jesus loves Heidi, whether she never matures one one bit more, whether I don't ever learn anything more, but yet He desires for me to be who I was created to be and not stay. So that's learn. And then what I get to speak about today is I, I pick this topic because I I like it. <laughs> I pick Sabbath. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. And you might be like, Sabbath, I don't, I'm not familiar with that. Or if you've been around, you're like, is there anything more that Heidi and Jamie can say about Sabbath that they haven't already told us? So, um, but today to start, I'm going to start with a story. Here we go. Did anybody else grow up with these? The little house on the prairie. anybody? Okay. All right, here you go. Here's the story. I, oh, okay. Laura sat down. She began to cry and kick the chair with her heels. I hate Sunday, she said. Pop put down his book. Laura, he said sternly, come here. I'm going to tell you a story about when Grandpa was a boy. When your grandpa was a boy, Laura, Sunday did not begin on Sunday morning as it does now. It began at sundown on Saturday night. Then everyone stopped every kind of work or play. Supper was solemn. After supper, Grandpa's father read aloud a chapter of the Bible while everyone sat straight and still in his chair. Then they all knelt down, and their father said a long prayer. When he said amen, they got up from their knees and each took a candle and went to bed. They must go straight to bed. No playing. No playing laughing, or even talking. Sunday morning, they ate a cold breakfast because nothing could be cooked on Sunday. Then they all dressed up in their best clothes and walked to church. They walked because hitching up the horses was work and no work could be done on Sunday. They must walk slowly and solemnly, looking straight ahead. They must not joke or laugh or even smile. Grandpa and his two brothers walked ahead and their father and mother walked behind them. In church, Grandpa and his brothers must sit perfectly still for two long hours and listen to the sermon. They dare not fidget on the hard bench. They dare not swing their feet. They dare not turn their heads to look at the windows or the walls or the ceiling of the church. They must sit perfectly motionless and never for one instant take their eyes from the preacher. When church was over, they walked slowly home. They might talk on the way, but they must not talk loudly and they must never laugh. At home, they ate a cold dinner, which had been cooked the day before. Then all the long afternoon, they must sit in a row on a bench and study their catechism until at last the sun went down and Sunday was over.
1: The word of the Lord for the people (laughs) of the Lord.
0: (laughs) I, I grew up hearing this story. My dad read this to me, and I think I thought that's what Sabbath was. So no wonder Christians would be like, no, that can't be for us. I've met Jesus, I know Jesus, and that's, that's not what he asks us to do. That's not what he calls us to do. And if you haven't met Jesus, you're thinking, if that's what church is, I'm out of here. Two hours staring at you? No thank you. So I think that sometimes, as Christians, if this is how you were raised, this is your idea of Sabbath. So this week, I read the scriptures, and I read the scriptures, and I thought, what does? What does Jesus say? What does he say the Sabbath is supposed to be? Is it actually something we're supposed to do today? Or is it something that that's what Sabbath is? And we are, thank goodness, we are off the hook. So to begin with, we're going to look at the scriptures. It's a great place to start. We're going to go to Matthew, Matthew 11. And this is the passage that we're going to be starting with. It's Matthew 11, 25 through 30. So the question, I was like, what did Jesus do on the Sabbath? What did he do? Oh, you gave it away. Stop it. (laughs) Have you read this before? At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is teaching here that when you come to him, he gives rest. I read this, my soul is like, oh, that's what I need today. Your soul, your insides, the very core of who you are. When you come to Jesus, you have rest. Jesus is teaching something right here. He was saying, the world tries to make it heavy, like a yoke, like a lot of rules to follow Jesus, like it's a heavy, like a yoke was something they put on the oxen. And the people in that time were trying to make it really heavy and hard to follow Jesus, like, you got to live this way, it's got to look that way, it's got to look like this. But Jesus said, that's not what I think it's interesting because he says he does have a yoke so there's something there is a way but it's light and it'll give you rest as he goes on here i was like what follows so at that time jesus went through the great grain fields on the sabbath so here we are he was teaching them right before now about the sabbath his disciples were hungry and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat but when the pharisees saw it they said to him look Your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how the Sabbath and the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. you would have not condemned the guiltless. for the Son of the man is Lord of the Sabbath. So right before this Jesus is teaching them about Sabbath. It's for rest and then in comes the Pharisees who are telling them the opposite. Sabbath is heavy, it's about rules. What Jesus did was he fed people that were hungry. That's what he did on the Sabbath. He's like you it didn't make it about not working. Met about taking care of people's needs. He desires mercy. But God wants us to be as merciful to other people, not putting the rules on them and saying, you have to look like me, you have to act like me, you have to watch the things I do or give the way I give. Then he continues, still in the Sabbath, Jesus went on from there and entered their synagogue. And a man was there with a withered hand, and they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So that they might accuse him. He said to them, which of you has a sheep? I kind of thought, which of you has a dog? Because I don't have a sheep. I thought of my dog. Which of you has Dexter? If he fell into a pit on the Sabbath, would you not take hold of him and lift him out? How much more valuable is a man than your dog? So is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched out and was restored healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him, how to destroy him. The Pharisees were making it heavy, hard to follow God. And he said, what I want you to do on the Sabbath is to do good. Look around and do good, what you can to do good. That wasn't a very smooth transition. Your turn. (laughs) That's hard.
1: (laughs) (coughs) So what essentially Jesus was doing is this way of life that we've been introducing you to he was blessing people being a blessing yeah. by being healing people he was eating with his friends he was listening to the holy spirit because how could you respond to the critics like that if you weren't he was learning he was in the sabbath with his friends in the synagogue, and in the synagogue whatever i said and uh, he was he was resting he was resting now a lot of people as heidi said have this idea though that the sabbath is a heavy hard because we've, grou- we've grown up with this idea of laws and rules. And, and that comes from this idea that the Pharisees had that um, when God commanded, he said, you know, you are to keep the Sabbath and to keep it holy. And so we have this mindset that there's something about the Sabbath day, this day of rest, that what we do makes that day holy and special. But the reality is it's exactly the opposite. The day was already holy. Our the, the Sabbath wasn't, we weren't made for the Sabbath. We weren't made to do stuff to make the Sabbath day holy. We were made uh, to rest. The Sabbath day was made for us, which is what Jesus says here. Is that the sa- and he says this in the same story taken in the book of Mark, he, he uses these words. He says, the Sabbath was not made for man. Or, well, wait, say that right. <laughs> man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. The Sabbath day doesn't need us. We need the Sabbath day. Why? Why do we need the Sabbath day? The primary thing that the Pharisees get wrong about the Sabbath is they thought that the command to keep it holy was our job. We made it a, a set-apart day by our work, by the things that we did and did not do. When Jesus comes along and he's breaking any one of several hundred laws that these guys had made that were in addition to Scripture, um, he began redefining and th- what the Sabbath was, and it was rather shocking to people. That the Sabbath was made for us and not us for the Sabbath. He's essentially saying that we don't need to work to keep it holy. God is not like the Greek and Roman gods who made the world and then set us here in order to take care of it and to get them food and to worship them and to make their name known. God created us for relationship, and he gave us a day of rest to know that he is God and we are not. That's the big deal, is that it's a limit, Now, we don't like limits. Anybody here love limits? There's a few probably rule followers in the room. Rule followers? Come on. Okay, I got a whole room full of not rule followers? limits are really important in fact um, at church though you'll often hear and I've probably said this before like with God there is no limits you know there's no roof there's no end to what God can do through us and that's true there is no limits in God and that's actually how we were designed to live with very few limits think back to the garden in the garden there was one limit don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of, of good and evil which is in other words is saying don't try to be God God knows this stuff you don't need to know this stuff the only limit you have it's to not eat that tree. You be a human and let God be God. And everything else was unlimited. You had unlimited access to God. I mean, the God of the universe, you could go for a walk with him. You had unlimited access to food and warmth and shelter, unlimited access to healthy relationship with your spouse, because we just had Adam and Eve at that point in the story, unlimited access to all the goodness of God, and we just had this one limit. But when we decided to cross that limit, what happened was all the things that were unlimited before suddenly became limited, and the things that we don't want to have uh, no limits on, like pain and suffering and hurt and toil and work, having to find meaning in life and in our in our work, uh, the sweat of our brow, birth has painful all of these things that we thought we would rather we'd re- really like life to limit. Suddenly, those things were unlimited. We need limits. We want limits. Let me illustrate it another way. When I was a teenager, uh, our family had this habit of going to all-you-can-eat restaurants. And this is not something our family does. I have never taken my children to an all-you-can-eat restaurant, uh, so they've never experienced this. So we would go, and we would not eat breakfast that day, and we'd you know, go and sit through church. Going to church and not eating breakfast is tough. Please eat breakfast so you can listen. And then, uh, you know, you'd sit there and fidget. I'd count the sparkles on the ceiling. We had popcorn ceiling. I'd count the sparkles waiting to get to go to the all-you-can-eat buffet. And we'd get there, and the all-you-can-eat buffet is like, you know, have you guys been to these things? It is every food under the sun. None of it good, but lots of it. you know, like unlimited mashed potatoes, powdered mashed potatoes, unlimited roast beef, which is loosely beef, you know. So you would pile your plate full of this food, and you would eat until you were ready to throw up. And then at that point, it was time for dessert. So I was telling my kids about this the other day because they were like, I've never had this. I said, you know what I used to do for dessert at the all-you-could-eat buffet? I would take a hot cinnamon roll, and I would put it in a bowl, and then I would go to the soft-serve ice cream machine, and I would put soft-serve ice cream all over it. And I, f- I mean, I was already ready to throw up, and then I would manage to stuff that thing down my gullet. And Emma goes, Dad, you know what you could have done? You could have cut that thing in half, put the ice cream in the middle, and then you have a cinnamon roll ice cream sandwich. I said, no, honey, you don't get it. What you do is you put a cinnamon roll and ice cream and a cinnamon roll and ice cream. And then you've got a nice cinnamon roll ice cream sandwich. Limits. We need limits, right? Sometimes you got to stop eating. You've got to give yourself limits. So that you don't get yourself sick, we have speeding laws, we don't want you to go too fast, not because we don't want you to get where you're going quicker, but we don't want you to die, right, we have, we have all kinds of laws, we have marriage, you know, we, we have decided in our society, thank God, we have decided this in our society, that it's supposed to be one man and one woman, one man for a wife, one wife for a man, who needs more than that, I mean, come on, this is just insane, we need limits. God has given us these limits, but we've broken them, and so we have a broken world. So here we see with Jesus setting some limits. Not limits on eating or blessing, but eating or, but limits on resting. Sabbath doesn't need us. We need the Sabbath. This is why Jesus does this really strange thing, immediately following this story after this healing. He sees the Pharisees are all upset, and then he goes to the people that he healed. There's a whole bunch of people in this room that needed healing. He healed them all, and he said, don't tell anybody about me. And then he's out of there. Why would he do that? It's because Jesus realizes there's a limit to the glory that he can receive as a man on earth. Even though he's the son of God, he's also the son of man. The glory belongs to God. He is setting a limit. He did the same thing in the temptations in the desert. The de- devil comes to him and says, hey, we want you to cross these three lines. We want you to feed yourself. Take care of yourself. Use your power. And he says, no, only God. It, it's, we live by God alone, not by bread. He's like, make yourself glorious, make yourself great. He's like, no, that glory belongs to God. The primary temptation of Jesus was to cross the limits that God has set for man to not be a human being. And he defied each one of them and said, no, I'm going to live within my limits. Jesus lived within his limits. The Sabbath didn't need him. He needed the Sabbath. So the Sabbath, in a way, becomes a day of spiritual warfare. Our world wants to define us by our work. Our world wants to define us by our possessions, by our relationships, by our positions and authority. And what God is saying is like, no, those things don't define you. The thing that defines you is your relationship with me. And so for one day out of seven, this day, this day is to be the center of your whole life and your whole week. In fact, this is the day that you are all waiting for. Because we we, kind of think that Sabbath is like, you know, we work six days and then we get a Sabbath. It's the other way around. We get a day of rest, and from that rest, we work because someday we're going to be in heaven, which is a forever Sabbath. No longer defined by work. No longer defined by pain and toil and mental illness and stress and strain and hurry and all of the busyness of life. We're going to be set free to work meaningfully and joyfully and to enjoy God forever. An eternal Sabbath. And so Sabbath becomes the center of our week rather than the end of our week. We need the Sabbath to teach us our limits. To live into God's rhythms of work and Sabbath are central to living the life that God has designed us, regardless of the demands or busyness. It respects how God made us and allows us to find that we are loved by God beyond what we do. That was a big statement. It was a big statement. You are loved by God beyond what you do. And the day of us to discover that we we go God I'm off the clock you've been on the clock all along but I am off the clock and you let the world go and then you just rest in his love that's what the Sabbath day is all about
0: when we say the Sabbath rest day gives rest to your soul I think sometimes in our culture we think of the word as rest as binge watching TV <laughs> right I think we think that binge watching like rest is binge watching Marie Kondo Rest is binge watching football or the good place, whatever you're, whatever you're thi- It's binging something. And I think we're like, that's, that's not restful. That makes me feel restless. And so I think we have to kind of maybe define what the word rest means for, for us as a Christian. It doesn't mean, I'm not saying that it's wrong to do those things, but that's not what Sabbath is about. So Sabbath is about delighting. It's about delighting in God. Like what delights you? When you take time to do it, maybe you don't know yet, but what is it for you that you delight to spend time doing that thing? For me, so I I say I like to run. I like it a lot. It's super life-giving. So yesterday, Amelia says, are you running with Kirsten? Because I normally run with Kirsten. On my Sabbath, I, I don't. I run by myself, and I run with Jesus. It sounds weird, but it's something that brings me super life. Like, think of the thing, and I'm like, hey, Jesus, you want to go for a run with me? You might think that's weird, but I actually do that. And he's like, of course, I'm always running with you. But, But on my Sabbath, it brings me so much joy. At the end of the day, Jamie's like, what brought you joy today on your Sabbath? We ask each other, what brought you joy today? I'm like, my run, my run with Jesus. Like, it could be completely different for you. But the Sabbath is like, what brings you delight? Is it sitting and journaling? Is it being outside? Like, that is what God has for you. I actually kind of get excited about our Sabbath. Like, it's exciting to me. I'm like, this is my day. I got to do the things that bring me life. I get to spend time reading or journaling or eating an amazing muffin that Jamie made for me. Um, I think some people are like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do Sabbath. I don't care how many sermons that you and Jamie give. I don't care what you say from what you say. I'm not going to do it. Why not? Try it. Try it. Try it for four weeks. Think of the things that delight you to do with God. Write them down. Think about it. Do it. Try it. See if your soul doesn't go, oh, I love this day. And sometimes when we skip it because we're out of town or we're busy or we're doing something, I I see inside of me that there's an anxiousness in me. There's an unsettled soul. Try it. Put it on your calendar. So I think in order to do a Sabbath, you actually have to prepare. It's not something you've done before, right? If you're going to start dieting, if you're going to start working out, if you're going to make a major change in your life, you have to actually, like, talk about it, prepare it. The people that I know that take a Sabbath have a plan. They actually have a plan. And it's not to be rigid, but it's it's a plan. I have life coached on sabbath it is not easy to do in our culture and jamie and i have set up a sabbath and we've done it and then life has changed our kids are a different age we've had to change the way it looks and tell your kids this is what we're doing they'll hold you accountable why are you doing laundry that's not what this day is about Or i'll be like hey you need a vacuum it's my sabbath they love it they enjoy the day it's a gift to them as well um you have to prepare you have if you're if you're a married couple talk about it Make up a plan. The people that I know in this community that actually have a Sabbath have a plan. It looks different than ours. They do things that I don't do on my Sabbath. Give it a try. Tell me what you find.
1: The, the whole idea of preparation, we even found that yesterday, yesterday Saturday is our Sabbath. So we go, our, our personal practice is Friday night at sundown to sunday night at sundown and if we're lucky we get bonus play or er, sa- sorry did i say friday to sunday that is a good saturday <laughs> it's friday night sundown to friday morning sun up no um <laughs> to saturday night sundown and sometimes we get bonus and we can take s- carry sabbath all the way to bed um but even yesterday you know i found that so working on like selling little items on facebook you guys have all seen me selling items on facebook (laughs) just trying to get them out the door and people are like emailing me and then all of a sudden now there's a church email and then there's this question and then like i'm like oh shoot now i'm violating my sabbath you know i gotta prepare by we have cell phone jail and put that thing in cell phone jail and just leave it there you know we gotta we gotta come you gotta commit it takes work to not look at work Mm -hmm. it does And you have to prepare because you, you're setting a limit to say I am resting in Jesus. And my work, God's work, God has got work, and I will deal with work when work comes back. Oh, I remember this what story. Were you we going to say
0: when we were talking about Sabbath with Annie and Audrey. Audrey shared a story of a grad student, and like it's one of your busiest times of life, who committed to taking a Sabbath on Sundays, and she wouldn't she wouldn't do her schoolwork, and she would come to church, and he's like, it didn't faze her. It didn't hurt her. It doesn't, I think we think that it'll hurt us, or we'll get behind, or I won't, I won't accomplish as much. But I, I, I guarantee you that you will find that um, it, it doesn't hurt you. It actually will bring you life.
1: So the big question that we wanted to answer is, you know, why do we do Sabbath? Why do we practice Sabbath? Wh- what does the Bible say about it? How does Jesus live out the Sabbath? And then, really, how do you practice it in a meaningful way? Like, I mean, because Sabbath could really just be a day off. It could be, but it's not meant to be. It is a special day. It's holy unto the Lord is what the Old Testament says. So kind of four things, or five really, and you covered the first one, which was to prepare, to like actually think ahead. If you got a vacuum, vacuum Friday afternoon. If you don't, if cooking for you is a ton of work, then cook something on, on, on Friday and eat it all weekend. Or make your husband cook it if you're the primary cook and you want to take that time off. Like men, come on, guys, let's step up and bless our wives. And now that's a male-female role that I just want to challenge it. Like I cook on the Sabbath day, and I take delight in it. It's fun. So prepare. The second one, though, is to stop. Just stop. Anybody ever just tell you that? Would you just stop? Please stop. I feel like God sometimes is up there going, "Come on, guys, just stop. Just God, just stop. You know, you're you're got the." we got the hustle, right? We're, we're hustling to make life work. We're hustling to get that degree. We're hustling all the time. And people are putting demands on us. College students, you got it the worst. Professors, they think they're God. Professors, you're not God. <laughs> there is a God, and you are not him. <laughs> That's what Sabbath teaches us. There is a God, and it is not me. We're hustling all the time. And we got, oh, we got a paper due by midnight on Saturday. That's my Sabbath. Guys, you're just going to have to work a little harder and get it done on Friday. Prepare and stop all of your paid and your unpaid work. And you get to determine what paid and unpaid work is. We have to let go of the illusion that we are indispensable. That we are indispensable. That's, uh, again, the knowledge of good and evil. We are tempted. The line that we cross is that we are God. The world will not run without us. And Sabbath teaches us that it's just not true. We declare that God is on the throne of the universe. Jan and Janice say this to me all the time. How are you doing? God is still God, and he is still on the throne. He is still in charge. He is still. I may not get all of my goals and all of my projects done. I never will. They will always be more. But God is on the throne of the universe, and managing just fine without me, thank you very much. So we remind ourselves on Sabbath, we stop. And one of the things that we do to remind ourselves that God is on the throne and is in charge is that we light a candle. We set a candle, and it's the smallest thing. I mean, who ever thought of a candle as a reminder for God, right? I mean it's like this little teeny flickering flame when i want like if i wanted to come up with an image to remind me of god i'm thinking like a mountain you know just put mount everest in my front yard and i oh there he is there's god but a candle a small flickering flame just this little light that i see throughout the day reminds me that i am stopping and god is in charge and so today we've been giving you gifts through this whole series it's like ellen or something you know. You get a gift, and you get a gift, and you get a gift. Oprah, you get a candle today <laughs> to take home and to, to light that candle as a reminder that God is in charge. We stop. Do you want to keep going, or are you going to take one of these to rest? George. Oh, okay, because you're standing over there like you're going to I'm just listening. <laughs> okay. Uh, second, so we, we prepare, we stop, we rest. So once we stop, we accept God's invitation to rest. See, God rested after he created. Every seventh day, we do the same. We do the things that restore us, like napping, hiking, reading, enjoying good food, hobbies, playing sports. We don't come under the illusion that binge-watching Netflix is restorative, as Heidi said. It just isn't. You guys are aware when you, f- you how you feel after you binge-watch something for a day. You sat on the couch all day long. You kind of feel icky. You feel kind of gross. And then you've put all these things in your mind and in your heart that aren't necessarily restorative or building you up. Remember, what we put in us really does matter, okay? The kind of food we eat, it matters. If you eat Big Macs for the rest of your life, it's not going to go well for you. I ate a lot of Twinkies as a kid. I got cancer, just saying. (laughs) So whether it's the right kinds of food or it's the right kind of entertainment, we rest and put the right things into us and allow God to restore us as we separate ourselves from the work. And then delight, which Heidi really talked about. You Marie Kondo fans? Where are you at? All three of you. The rest of you need to go watch Marie Kondo, and then we'll you have a big Sunday. Yeah, go binge watch Marie Kondo. Just kidding. And then next Sunday, bring all the stuff that you pull out of your house and bring it on the back porch here. The, the back porch. That would have been a cool name for that. The back porch. Uh, you put it out there and we'll have this big pile of stuff. But one of the things that she talks about a lot is to look at what you have and decide what sparks joy in you. What? It was like, what's that? Okay, this coffee cup right here. This thing sparks joy in me because it says Hawaii on the front of it. <laughs> and every time I th- put this precious liquid to my lips, uh, it is s- uh, which also sparks joy, I am drinking out of the chalice of Hawaii that sparks joy. So this makes me feel happy. This brings me life. It brings back memories. It sparks joy for me. That's what delight is. It's to celebrate the things that are good, to celebrate what happened in the week. You're like, you fin- I finished a paper. I finished a paper this week, I turned it in, I have no idea what kind of grade I'm going to get, but you know what, I finished it, and it is done, and I'm going to delight, I'm going to remember and celebrate that that happened. I'm going to delight in the things that, all the good things that God has given me, food, rest, my wife, my children, sometimes harder, sometimes easier. We delight in what God, God is inviting us to join in a celebration. You know, you're just going to catch that in the, the Genesis creation account? He creates, and then what does he say? It's, uh, it's done. No, he says it's, not only that, he says it's very good. He says it's very, he celebrates his accomplishments. And that's what delighting is. It's what sparks joy, the innumerable gifts that God has given us in so many forms, including people, places, and things. As part of practicing sabbath is to delight in those things so what sparks joy and delight for you and it's going to be different for every single one of us so i can't tell you go do this go get a latte like i hate coffee i don't know what it is figure it out you can do it um, and then lastly it's contemplating take time throughout the day to ponder god's love for you that's really the most important thing in sabbath that's why heidi runs with jesus but it's also because i won't run with her. So there's that dual thing going on there. I won't run with her, but Jesus will. So she runs with Jesus, and she takes time to ponder and be with God. I sat and journaled for a little while yesterday and just had time with me and Jesus. And we're not talking about, okay, you need to go home on your Sabbath day and read the Bible for three hours and then write, you know, an epistle responding to it. You need to listen to five or six sermons. That's not what God's after. He's not after you spending all this time. He wants, just wants to be a part of it. The passage in the Old Testament that commands the Sabbath says, keep the Sabbath holy unto the Lord. It's just not a day where you say, okay, God, you're not a part of this. That's the that's day off. I'm going to do my work at home on that day. But on the Sabbath day, it's you and God together, and God is at work in you, and so you involve God in it. You invite him intentionally into the day, the candle again, reminding yourself that it's, it's his day. The simple way we do that as a family to invite God into it and to remind ourselves that God is in it besides the candle is what Heidi said. We ask, what is your favorite part of the day? Where did God show up for you? What, was, what brought you delight? We remember that it was God that was in the midst of that. So that's what a Sabbath day looks like. And we really want to encourage you and, and give you the gift. Like Really, the gift we're giving you today is not a candle. We're giving you the gift of a day of rest. But it's up to you whether you unwrap it and give it a shot. It's up to you whether you do something with it. Now what are we going to do? We're going to pray. We're going we to give them time to think about what might get in their way of their Sabbath. Sure. I just occurred to me. <laughs> do you want to do that?
0: Sure. I'd love to. <laughs> so as we close today, Jesus, figure out what that looks like for you. Um, I I think that we desperately, desperately want that rest for our souls. I think that's what really is offered through Jesus, is rest for your soul, for your heart, the core of who you are. So I'm going to pray over you, and in that time I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. they want to hear from you. I know that they show up here because they want rest for their soul, for the inside of who they are. I pray that you'd speak to each of us about delighting in and we get moving, and sometimes I'm like, I even gave the sermon. What did I speak about? Um, I pray that you would help us remember what we needed to hear today. I pray that you'd plan it in our, our minds and in our hearts, that we'd hold on to it. I pray that as we go away from here this week that, that, Jesus, we would listen to you. That we wouldn't get going so fast. Your kindness, and your mercy, and your grace to the people around us. Pray that we would listen to your voice, Jesus, and we would grow to look more like you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Well, we want to say, the Lord bless you and keep you. Make His face to shine upon you. His countenance rest upon you, and give you Do you guys stand with us and sing the doxology as we close? But I'm going to turn my mic off. But you can sing. You've got a great voice. All right, let's sing the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Go in the grace of the Lord knowing that Jesus loves you, and so do Heidi and I. Grab a candle to celebrate the Sabbath on your way out. Amen.